2: Hello
0: and welcome to episode 139 of Slamfire Radio for January 22nd, 2016. I am one of your hosts, Trevor the Fralatte, and I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew
2: the Warning Shot, and I'm Adriel the Hunting Gear Guy. Oh, you didn't have a dramatic pause. You got to do it. Uh, again. See, I'll you, you it, Trevor had a dramatic pause, huh?
0: No, you know, it's too late, buddy. The ship has sailed. You're either going to learn yeah. the timing or you're going to move on. Yeah, yeah I mean, mean. You picked up on what I laid down, dramatic pause, dramatic pause, and then you just totally,
1: like, rhythm, man, rhythm. <laughs> well.
2: No, Pick on oh, the well. new guy. <laughs> I love it.
1: Oh, I was trying to use the dramatic pause in there. Come on, guys. <laughs>
2: yeah, but if you if it's too okay. long, we'll cut you off. <laughs> Matthew? Matthew?
0: Yeah. What did you do this week in guns?
2: Um, I... Uh, let's see, uh, it is shooting, it is to carry the one, well actually, um, I actually did quite a bit, it's just not very exciting, um, I'm, I'm shooting a new YouTube video, I know, it's a gun related YouTube video, imagine, it's, you know, what my YouTube channel started off as and kind of drifted away from, but back to some guns, I'm, uh, I've started shooting footage of the Glock 17 versus smith and wesson mmp9 video and uh it's shaping out to be a pretty good one all i need to get is some b footage uh from the range and some accuracy review done so that means i'll definitely be shooting the gun soon and uh yeah you go ahead we didn't think
0: this through um all of the striker fired pistols that i acquired last year should have went to you for like a week at a time
2: before you sold them
0: yeah, yeah, so you could have did Glock versus Steyr, Glock versus M&P, Glock. For, well, you already did Glock versus Ruger. Now you're doing Glock versus M&P.
2: Yep. The Steyr's gone, so you can't do that. The Sig. Well, P- I just want to do all of the really popular ones because that's what people want to watch and pe- that's what people are buying, right? So I'd like to do a Walther. Um, yeah. This The SIG P320 the would have been cool. The HK yeah, the K the Sig, would be nice. the H-K and The, and the, the FN.
0: Yeah, so we can so. get the FN done. We can get the HK done. And in a couple of months, we'll be able to get the PPQ
2: done. Yeah, that'll be cool. I like doing these videos. It's, it's, uh, it forces me to kind of get into uh, the, the kind of nooks and crannies of the guns, kind of ferret out the little uniquenesses or, or oddnesses about them and kind of talk about it a little bit and explore it. And it's kind of neat. So I- 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 Idiosyncrasies. There you go. That's a word. Idiot. That's what I couldn't get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, but between the MP and the the Glock, which one would you recommend for uh, uh, for carry when you're um, on an ultralight and uh, taxiing on a, a really snowy field? Spoiler <laughs> alert! I mean, that's that's the whole sum up of the video. <laughs> uh,
2: and Adriel
0: Adriel fires back.
2: Yes. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, that's that's pretty much all I've done so far. Uh, Trevor, why don't we uh, see what you did? Sure.
0: Um, I shot another 3D tournament, and it was uh, uh, quite different than the other one. It's a location I had never been to before. And uh, smaller animals, further distances for the smaller animals, uh, sharper angles. So rather than just shooting at everything broadside, the animals are are turned either quartering away or quartering towards you, which means that you don't aim where you normally would aim.
2: That puts a bit more of a challenge
0: to it, doesn't it? It certainly does, yeah. If an animal is quartering away from you, and you aim in the center of the, um, the, the if you aim for the X ring, the 11 ring, in the center of the bullseye area, so to speak, on the target, you'll actually shoot off to the left. And then if the animal is quartering towards you and you aim in the middle, you will shoot off to the right.
2: So, so if it's out. quartering away from you, that means its head's pointing away from you? Correct. Yeah. And so if, if that happens, you will shoot, the arrow will impact earlier on the animal or later? Later. Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: Yep. Yeah, if you hold in the X-ring, you'll hit to the left of the X-ring, so towards the shoulder, not back by the liver. Right. And then hmm. the same is true if the animal is facing you at an angle, so quartering towards you, you aim at the front edge of the 10-ring, not the center, because then you'll be shooting off to the right. Interesting. So yeah. aim a little bit closer to yourself than farther always away. Always the leading edge, yeah. 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 Depending yeah. on it, doesn't matter if it's towards you or away from you. You yeah, always Just, always just kinda, aim a bit closer. Yeah. Interesting, so. cool. Yeah, it's it's um something to to uh, you learn as you go. Um uh, rookie uh a rookie probably won't pick that up uh right away unless they're actually uh experienced hunter maybe with a bow. So uh like with a bow, you ask yourself if I impact the animal here on this spot with the arrow, where is it going to exit? And is it going to take the most direct path through the vitals? Right? That's what you want to know when right. you're when you're aiming at an animal with an arrow, where is it going to exit, and is it going to rip th- rip stuff up on the way through? So, um, uh, f- unfortunately, fourth again, two tournaments in a row, but this time this was a tough tournament because the gentleman who broke a provincial record the week before in at the Bathurst tournament, him and I tied for fourth. So now, granted, he was he was working uh, working out. Breaking out some new equipment, so he had a completely different bow and and uh, stabilizer setup from the week before. So he's he's getting used to new equipment, but it does you know the the course was still challenging. So um, a lot of fun. Um, what else did? Oh, I took a or a social worker came over to the house the other night. Somebody that I work with. I wasn't visited by a social worker. Let's <laughs> start this over one of the social workers from work came over here to actually see a sword, but that's a story for another day. And while he was here. Yeah,
2: we allow some archery, but I once we get to swords, I think I'm gonna have to draw the line.
0: Especially if they're ancient Roman swords from <laughs> Oak Island, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Found off the, the shores of New Brunswick.
2: Yes, that's likely.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh anyway, he came over here to check uh, check out some stuff and then uh he was just uh, taken with all of the guns and the um his son I think shoots some traditional archery recreationally. So he was taking a high speed video of me shooting my bows. Uh, he was watching me make ammo. He was just completely, uh, really enthralled with all of the, the, uh, the, the stuff in the house. It was a good time. Cool. Um, yeah, and it's always nice to get somebody from that kind of industry, so to speak, involved in guns. And this is the, um, second or third time now that I've had social workers come over to the house to check out guns and, and get information about getting their licenses and whatnot. So it's a lot of fun. I'm glad that they look to me and think, All right. I got questions. I'll go see for a lot. He'll get me ready for my license or he can explain the ins and outs. So then uh, some guns arrived because guns arriving is a pretty common occurrence at this house. But this time, these were the guns for the SummerSlam uh, prize table. We ordered five firearms from Freedom Ventures, again, out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, We ordered um, a Tanfoglio Stock 3, which unfortunately is not in yet. But when it does come... My Ten Foglio Limited Custom Extreme should be in that order as well, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting <laughs> that order. But what did arrive was a Commander size STI Ranger Three single stack nine millimeter 1911. It's an unusual little pistol. I like the size of it. it it's you know it's it's nice and quote unquote compact. It, I guess, it's Commander size.
2: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I've always said if I was going to get a 1911, I'd want a Commander sized one.
0: Yeah. So for the listeners who don't know, you've got a full size five inch gun. That's what they call the government size and the commander size is about four and a quarter. So given that this is a nine millimeter, the dimensions overall are smaller to begin with and it's commander size. So it makes a nice compact little package, but it has this really unusual carry package on it. I cocked the gun and tried to apply the safety and the safety wouldn't come on. So I thought, well, this is unusual. The safety must be broken. So I called the Freedom Ventures and I spoke to Devin. and he's like, "No, no, that's got a a carry package type of system in the gun that they call the carry package." So what it it actually um, the safety is a decocker? No, the safety is a cocker. It's it's strange. You sli- you rack the slide, the hammer goes back like it would on any single action pistol. To engage the safety, you physically push the hammer to the half cock position which uh, then engages the safety, the thumb safety. So if you're going to then you want to fire the pistol, you take it out of your holster, you deactivate the safety, which cocks the hammer. So not a gun for me. Too many. Yeah, too, that's weird. Yeah, too many moving parts. I've got I've to push the, the hammer forward to turn on the safety. And then when I turn on the safety, it re-engages the hammer or cocks the hammer.
2: Yeah, I mean that's weird.
0: Yeah, there's a spring there that's gonna cock that hammer. When I put the safety down, I don't wanna have that spring break at the wrong time. So No. I like the gun, but I wouldn't want it with this particular feature. So
2: Now does that gun come without that feature?
0: I think so, because yeah. uh I've seen Rangers and Spartans and Trojans and this is the only one that's that's had this. I don't okay. they don't quote me on it, but I don't think this is a feature unique to the Ranger line. Oh, okay. So um, because
2: yeah. while I'm still not uh, completely sold in the idea of a 9 mil 1911, if I were to get one, I mean, I, I'm not in the market for one, but, you know, if I were to get one, that'd be probably one I'd look at.
0: Mm. Or, you know,
2: uh, I would probably recommend you go with the Springfield
0: Armoury 1911.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true.
0: First, because it's inexpensive. Yeah. So you're not into a lot of initial investment. The only right. thing with the 9 mil 1911s is you really got to get good mags, which, yeah. hey, imagine that. It's, you got to get that. The same can be said for any caliber of 1911. Yep. So, uh, ha, yeah. So,
2: have you seen this uh, this new gun? I forget who's developing it, but it, it uses a single stack 1911 nine mil mag. It's a but it's but it's still a polymer frame striker fired pistol. No. Oh, okay. You have to search Facebook for that or YouTube or something. I don't even remember what it's called, but uh, if I think of it before the end of the show, I'll I'll blurt it out.
0: That's interesting because you take the, the best part of one of the best firearms of all time. You take the polymer from the Glock yep. and you take the Achilles heel of the 1911. Yeah, amp-
2: and you put it together. Yeah. Hmm. Fan- fantastic idea, really.
0: You know, it's almost as good as that new uh, weapon-mounted light that turns on with uh, pressing the trigger.
2: <laughs> what was that called again? The-
0: Dumb. <laughs> that's what that was called.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. that was
0: funny. Anyway. Yeah, uh, when you told me to about that, I literally shot, stopped in shot, my tracks. I guess.
1: Yeah. What's I'm that, get to see it uh, oh. after you've actually hit it. Yeah, that's true, too.
2: So I, I think that was all missed. Anyway, go ahead. Okay.
0: The other two guns uh, that came in were a um, Spartan in 45 ACP, so another 1911 single-stack gun, and a Wyndham Weaponry. AR-15, which is essentially what Bushmaster was. They're made in Wyndham, Maine. And I believe the manufacturer, the owner of the company's name is Wyndham. So this is uh, the company that used to make Bushmasters. Bushmaster was sold out to Remington, only the name. They kept all of their tooling. And the next day after the name Bushmaster was sold, they continued to make AR-15s under the Wyndham name. And they are quality. I am really taken with them. They're a mil-spec gun. The fit and finish is excellent there the the uh there's no play in the upper and the lower the trigger is is nice for a mil spec trigger out of the box and it's not creepy it's not gritty and it has a full profile heavy barrel i really like them uh they don't come with uh, an a2 sight on the barrel they come with a gas block that has a um a rail right? so you can drop your uh your backup iron sight on the rail and on the back of the receiver. Uh, and they're very affordable. They're under a thousand bucks. And really, if you just want one AR for everything, it's, it will more than meet your needs and, and make you happy. I would definitely grab one of these before a DPMS. So Wyndham weaponry, if you're looking for an AR and you don't want to break the bank, check them out. And of course, check them out at freedom ventures. I don't know who else has them. And, uh, I'd send you there anyway because they've always been really good to me. So, uh, and then on Tuesday night, I did part three in a series with Rogers Television out of Bathurst on firearms and firearms uh, laws in Canada. We started off with um, a, a, a part of the, the first part of the interview, which unfortunately didn't make it to the final uh, airing was uh, we stood around my kitchen and looked at a bunch of different firearms and talked about the differences between restricted and non-restricted. We had things on the table like the M1 Garand, an AR-15, the VZ-58. We had some revolvers, um, semi-autos. We got to look at my 44 Magnum and uh, all of that was cut, unfortunately. I ended up getting over 30 minutes airtime anyway, which I think is amazing. Um, but it ended up being... We went to the gun range, so it was the part at the gun range, and then the uh, the part at the studio. I kind of felt that the the uh, host, one of the hosts, focused more on gun problems in the United States. When I really had my heart set on telling how it actually is here in Canada. He kept trying to compare us to the U.S. and talking about... I, f- I felt like at the end I spent more time defending United States gun laws than I did Canadian gun laws, but... <laughs> It is what it is. I think overall it went okay. I did make um, a couple of mistakes. I called myself a director for the uh, Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights instead of an officer. Whoopee-doo. Um, I forgot that uh, I had the number 1934 in my head. I said that fully autos have been banned in Canada since thirty four. That's actually not true. Brian Bolivar. Uh, corrected me on that one, uh, so thank you. Uh, and Brian.
2: probably gleefully too. No, nope. no, he oh. was
0: very, no, he was very professional about it. Um, he well, thought that's it a was. first. Yeah, <laughs> it was um, 1955. They required uh, registration for uh, fully autos, and and then they were banned. Or switched over, yeah, completely banned, prohibited in 77. So I had looked right in the camera and said, they've been banned in Canada since 1934, so don't tell me there's an assault rifle problem in Canada. You haven't been allowed to have them since 34. Uh, That's all right. You can't be expected to be perfect.
2: Uh, Unless you're on this show, of course.
0: Of course. And yeah. on this show, we know I'm infallible.
2: I'm Absolutely. not sure what that
0: means, but, I'm, but I don't make mistakes. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but on the yeah, I'm not a professional uh, gun lobbyist or anything like that, so... And I mean, I wasn't exactly up against someone who was anti-gun and I wasn't up against someone who uh, spent a whole lot of time doing research. He was doing gun owners a favor. He and I had a conversation um, on the way to a training one day uh, and I was answering a lot of his questions and he thought it was very fascinating. And he said, wow, the average Canadian doesn't know much about gun laws. Why don't you come on my show and we give you an opportunity to educate the public on, on what's actually going on. So I really appreciate um Jim and Karen for having me on to give me the opportunity to try and kind of, you know, even within just the context of New Brunswick, set the record straight. So the show was on Rogers Cable 10. It was called Linking the North and it's um, just a local cable television that uh, program that airs only in New Brunswick. That being said, the Squire, Fred LaPierre, uh, filthy Squire, he was kind enough to put his smartphone on a stand and point it at the television and hit record and then edited out all the commercials and the gibberish that didn't apply to our piece and then uploaded it to YouTube. So that link's been uh, getting passed around. People have been able to watch it. Um, the feedback has been good. Oh, the first criticism I, I received was I said on the uh, show that we have property rights and that guns are property. And somebody points it out. No, we don't have property rights in this country, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, when he's on there doing a piece with his television, uh, local television cable channel, um, I'm sure that he'll he'll not make any mistakes. <laughs> so, well, I <laughs> think he did a good job. So, well, thanks, man. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, I you know, he was kind of, uh, you know, whether he was doing it on purpose or whether he was trying to play the role of someone who is the average Canadian who thinks that American Americans and all their guns are bad. I mean, uh, the only I've been told that I did a good job, but people have been telling me that they're not really happy with uh, him saying the Big Brad the big bad brother to the south and the american juggernaut and and they thought he was a little too anti-american. So mm. that's uh that's it for me. How about you, Adriel?
1: Uh, I didn't uh didn't do too much this week. I uh I took some mall ninja pictures of that uh Maverick over-under shotgun and kind of tried to throw on every tactical piece of equipment I had on it. Uh, which I don't know, it's kind of fun. Maybe I'll do some video uh shooting clays with it like that. Or trying to <laughs> shoot ways cool. with it like that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I guess that that's pretty much it. I got some uh, some nine mil bullets, some some Campro stuff that I've got to uh, load up. Uh, I'm just about out of my reloads, so yeah, I've got to start cranking out some more. Cool. I oh. don't know
2: where Trevor went, so well, no, that's uh, about right. it.
1: Oh. I didn't go anywhere.
2: Well, you, you were quiet there for quite a while.
0: I'm answering Filthy's question about uh, when the Ruskers gun called Black Badge is. Oh. Mm. I'm multitasking again. Oh,
2: wait, I'm lead host. Yes, you Uh, are. That's uh, where I was
0: going
1: with that. (laughs) Coming events.
0: Yeah. The first annual Ronnie DeGroote Rock Out With Your Glocko Steel Challenge will take place uh, on June 4th at the Goods Gun Club. The sixth annual charity shoot in support of Soldier On will take place on June 25th in Kingston, Ontario at the Brockville District Fishing Game Club. If you are interested, you should contact New Shooter Canada. Also, check out the events page on the old Facebooks. And uh, our black badge at the Restored Gun Club will be the weekend of May twentieth. But yeah, I don't know. Squirrel Matthew, how are we gonna do a black badge with eight hours of class time?
2: Uh, four carefully. Hours. It's gonna yeah, have to theory. be like two days, like two full days instead of a day and well, a half.
0: Thursday night, four hours. Friday night, four hours, and then all day shooting Saturday, and the match on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, stretching it out over, over four ideas was a great idea, Ipsick. Mm. Way to make it accessible. Because an extra four hours of manual—wow, that's going to safen up the sport.
2: The thing is, and I don't want to go off all squirrely here, but the stuff that's taught in the manual can be taught in four hours in an evening. There's not really a whole lot in there that the theory isn't. I mean, yeah, theory is important, but not just not that. There's not that much there. I don't there's think there's not eight hours, eight hours of material. material.
0: If I had to really push it and stretch it out and correct the
2: exam that night, six hours. Yeah. If I really was, you know, had to like... Read, well, at read. least we'll be able to get the exam corrected and all that stuff done before. I mean, if we're stuck there for eight hours, we might as well do the exam.
0: <sighs> it's just not necessary. And I think it's going to hurt our numbers. And that's why I don't agree with it. Yeah. So, somebody want to send me a link to an IDPA rule book, please? Uh, what <laughs> else do you got? I see where
2: you're going with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, news. News. Hmm. There is another Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights update um, on Rod Giltaka's YouTube channel, Civil Advantage. And the links have been posted all over the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights Facebook pages. So go over and check that out. Um, There's huge news about an upcoming contest uh, where you can, I believe, the hunter's package is like seven grand. And you can choose like a bunch of different stuff to go in your package. Rod explains it better, so I'm not going to say things that uh, I might be wrong about. But there's a um, hunter's package, a black rifle package, uh, like the ultimate package. So go go check out his video. It's the latest update. I believe it's dated January 20th, and, and get some information about that contest. There's other things in the video as well, but the contest is is pretty exciting. So. Uh, Matthew, would you like to grab this news story at a Calgary force, please?
2: Sure. A Calgary police officer is under investigation after a rifle and police notebooks were stolen from his personal vehicle. Uh, He will not be facing criminal charges. The three-year member of the course, identified as Constable Stephen Baker, was cleared Monday in a criminal investigation. However, Baker does remain the subject of an internal investigation. The incident occurred in April 2015 when Baker left in his personal car a police-issued Colt C8 rifle, two magazines containing 28 rounds each, and five notebooks containing personal information on citizens. The uh, the items were stolen while Baker, who was off-duty, was in a sports bar. Uh, The weapon case was locked but not properly tethered to the vehicle. That's a new one. I didn't realize we had to tether our weapon cases, our gun cases, to our vehicle. We
0: don't, and neither do they, because they're encouraged to not, no, they're not encouraged, they're told to not leave it in the car.
2: That's right, yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be. Anyway, like,
0: hypothetically speaking, let's say that Officer Frank is going to work at, uh, his shift starts at 2 o'clock in the morning, well, he'll take a police car home, let's say, hypothetical, I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly, don't quote me on any of this, I don't know Officer Frank's routines, but let's say he's working at 3 o'clock in the morning, he does take a car home, the rifle's supposed to go in the house with them, not stay in the car. Right. That I can you can quote me on.
2: Sure. Okay. Um, anyway, the rifle, magazines, and case were recovered nearly two weeks later, although some rounds were missing. Police believe they were fired, but not in the commission of a crime. Uh, Baker was initially suspended with pay, but has since returned to work as an administrative. The president of the Calgary Police Association said he was not surprised that criminal charges were not recommended. The criminal code and firearms act provides exemptions for case officers in relation to storage and handling of firearms in the execution of their duty. I think it would have been a formidable challenge to prove that this constable wasn't in the course of his duty. Baker was taking the rifle assigned to him home to clean. I would say that if you're in a sports bar off duty, you're not on duty. But I don't know, what do you guys think? Well, uh, yeah. The only kind of hang up I have is that it was a restricted
0: firearm and I couldn't stop at a restricted at a bar on the way home from the range with a restricted firearm. But to him it's not a restricted firearm. That's right. He's just it's just another it's, it's like just his, another gun. Yeah. yeah. Now if I was parked at a sports bar and my VZ fifty eight was stored legally in my car in accordance with the Canadian gun law and it was stolen, is it my fault?
2: No. It's not your fault. It's a scumbag's fault who broke into your car and stole it. So is it any different for this cop? I guess not. My the, the problem is, though, had that happened to you, you still would have been charged. What could they charge me with? My it doesn't matter. Still, they still would charge you.
0: I disagree. I don't think I would have been charged because it was a non-restricted firearm. It was stored. And in my case, let's say I did everything according to the law. It's a non-restricted firearm. It's stored in accordance with the law. If it's stolen out of my car, just like my um, cell phone or my GPS. I mean, somebody broke in and I'm allowed to store my firearm in my car. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you said restricted. No, that's what I'm saying. If, if I had a, my vz 58. Right. Yes. If my restricted was stolen out of my car anywhere other than my home or the range. And even at my home, my ATT says it's stored in my house, not, you know, in your car. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so if, uh, and and, be, and because to him the restricted thing doesn't apply, it would be no different than if my VZ was stolen on my car.
2: Right. Yeah, well, in the end, I mean, I'm all for people not getting charged ever for things being stolen from them because yeah. they're not the ones stealing them. Right. I, so I, I don't, don't think th- there's such thing. I mean, the criminal code doesn't. Tell us that we have to store our firearms in such a manner that they can't be stolen. Right. They're they're to be stored in such a manner that they are not easily accessible by a non authorized person.
0: Yeah. So So I don't I you know, I don't think he wasn't charged because he was a police officer. I think he wasn't charged because technically he didn't break any laws. Right. The gun was the gun was stored in the car in a case. Uh, you and I both know that we can store ammo with our gun provided the gun is locked and yep. the case is locked. Now, his gun would not have been locked and his case would not have been locked because police don't lock up their guns because they need their guns. That's right. So, he wasn't breaking any laws.
2: Yep. yep. But it's I know just, that
0: people are, are
2: crying. Oh, my God, he should have been charged.
1: If it was you and you weren't breaking laws, would you want to be charged? No, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. Anything the else? On, uh, on the guys who st- stole a cop rifle, went and shot off a couple rounds and then ditched it somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, these weren't (laughs)
0: first-timers. So, (laughs) all right. Are we ready to jump into our main topic? Yeah, I think so. All right. Let's go. Joining us now, we have Randy Ferris, author of the popular blog Average Joe's Handgun Reviews, author of books, and one of the co-hosts over at the Gun Nation podcast, where he goes by the handle Average Joe. So I know you as Average Joe, Randy, but of course, if somebody wants to find your your latest book, they're going to have to look you up as Randy Ferris. But it's a podcast, so we'll stick with Average Joe. So, AJ, welcome to Slamfire Radio.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about your latest book and uh, maybe where our listeners could find your blog and what that's all about.
3: Well, uh, the blog is averagejoeshandgunreviews.blogspot.com because I, I was trying to find the longest, um, URL possible for it. So again, it's averagejoeshandgunreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure you'll want to bookmark it, uh, after you've been there the first time. Uh, that way you won't have to type all that nonsense in. Uh, been doing the blog since, uh, 2016. It started out as just a way for me to communicate with some friends who lived in Arizona when I lived in Idaho, and we would always go shooting in our respective areas on the weekends. And then, uh, you know, we would communicate about how we, uh, how we shot, what we shot, how good it was. Um, so eventually, after tiring of doing the email, uh, put it on blogspot.com. And it eventually grew. I was quite surprised when I found out other people were actually reading it. Unlike Matthew's book. <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh other professional career uh is uh a- as a violence prevention consultant. Um worked in uh corporate security for thirty-nine years. Uh I am partnered with uh a gentleman who was with the New York City Police Department as a detective sergeant um, for over twenty years and uh... uh... he was a part of the uh... uh... joint terrorist task force his name is dan murphy which uh... probably everybody in new york city knows at least one or two cops named Dan murphy it's a very popular name for police officers there uh... but dan and i formed a company called violence prevention strategies llc back in twenty thirteen Uh, where we, uh, jumped off to teach other businesses, schools, or, you know, religious organizations, whoever, about what we had learned over the years in terms of providing a safe environment, um, for your employees or your guests, uh, visitors, as well as, um, what people needed to do when gunfire rang out.
0: Right. And, um... Before you tell us a bit more about that, tell us about uh, the whole author role of uh, Average Joe. Other than the blog, is there not a
3: book out there somewhere? Uh, There there is a book that my my business partner and I wrote. uh, It's called Workplace Safety, Establishing an Effective Violence Prevention Program. Uh, It is on the Elsevier Butterworth Heinemann uh, publishing uh, list. And it is available from, uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble as well as, as well as some other places. Um, and, uh, the best way to go about it is just to, uh, do a search for workplace safety, uh, using my full name, Randall W. Ferris and Dan Murphy. And I'm sure, uh, the listeners will find it. And, uh, I, I know that the sales of the book are going to spike in the next week because of this.
0: Yeah, all three of our listeners are guaranteed to pick up a copy. I'm, I'm quite certain. So, well, that's excellent.
3: Outstanding. Then, then the sales will triple. (laughs) (laughs)
0: See, You you didn't slum it in Canada tonight for nothing. You had a, there was a a method to your madness.
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, AJ, the reason why we asked you on this evening, um, and, and we tried to get you on back in December, but of course we got too close to the holiday season and, and whatnot, but anyhow, better late than never. The initial uh, impetus for me contacting you was I, I knew what you did uh, as a day job. Uh, I know that Doc doesn't pay enough for you to uh, to sustain yourself on on podcasting, and I was aware of your of your day job.
3: And I, so I'm, I th- I'm sorry. Were, were you referring to Doc Wesson, the I, Godfather I, of podcasters, the the Podfather himself? The
0: Podfather. Yeah. Basically, if I didn't mention him at least once during this interview, I would wake up with a horse's head in my bed tomorrow. So there. Doc, you got your token um, uh, mentioned. Now leave us alone. So, um, yeah, I was aware of your day job, and after the uh, Paris attacks, and unfortunately, a week later, after I said this kind of thing probably won't happen in the United States, uh, I spoke too soon. It happened literally within a week. Um, ah, I so who, this is your fault. Technically, yes, it is. I apologize. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I thought who better to get on to to discuss. How could we uh, prepare ourselves and uh, for this kind of uh, event, should it happen? Then, then AJ, who does this for a living and helps train schools and, and businesses and, as you said, uh, religious groups, churches, whatnot, to develop. Well, I'm assuming you help them develop safe plants. Would that be a,
3: a way of putting it? Uh, yes. Uh, and we uh, work to help them develop, you know, depending upon what they want to uh, want to do, we help them develop safe rooms within, uh, their facility. Uh, we help them to determine policies that the business needs to have. And the most important part is to work on the training of their employees because uh, unfortunately, most businesses incorrectly feel that this type of training will upset their employees, which is the exact same thing that uh people thought about doing fire drills when those were first brought out in 1958 everybody said oh the kids are going to have nightmares about dying in a fire well that just didn't happen and the end result of it is there have not been any lives lost in school fires since the late 50s Um, it is a very routine part and if that fire bell goes off everybody in the school as well as generally everybody in any public building knows exactly what to do and we need to get to that same place with training on what to do when violence occurs and the main obstacle for people to overcome is to develop to develop the mindset that they are going to take definitive action whether that definitive action is running Or fighting back or hiding and barricading themselves in the room, they're going to take that action definitively at the first sound of a gunshot rather than panicking and freezing uh, or going into denial, which are both uh, emotional reactions that we frequently see when people hear gunfire. Uh, They either go into denial. And, uh, uh, you know, their brain is searching for the information on what should I do now? And because they don't know what to do, their brain either will tell them to panic or either will tell them to go into denial about the situation. When an attack is made, it becomes confusing and your mind is trying to wrap its arms around what's going on and give you the information you need to know. And if you've not had any physical and especially mental preparation time, it's not going to go well. We've looked at video of gunfire in buildings, and there'll be some people who are in denial and they stand up and go, oh, is that gunfire? Let me walk over there and see what that is, when they should, in fact, be going in the opposite direction. Uh, so it's important for people to understand what could possibly happen and realize that Nobody has the right to decide that this is your last day on earth. And therefore, if you, if there is an attack, if you hear a commotion, you're going to be definitive in what to do. And again, whether that's run, whether that's hide and barricade, or whether that's going to fight back, um, or, or to be, to fight back. And a lot of people don't understand. They don't think you can fight back. And I'm here to tell you today, you can, um, Looking uh, just within the last year at the uh, situation that happened on a train just outside of Belgium, where a guy mm-hmm. comes out of the bathroom with an AK-47 and a knife, and uh, uh, three um, hey, Marines uh, take him down, uh, <laughs> who were on holiday. Yeah, uh, took took the guy down, took his rifle away from him, and as one of them said, "We hit him in the head until he stopped moving," which. Uh, pretty good advice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, in in terms of making the sure that the threat is no longer a threat. But, you know, a lot of people look at that and say, okay, those were three trained service members. Well, in 2013, in March of 2013, Texas State University conducted a survey looking at 100 um, incidents of uh, gun violence in the United States from 2000 to 2010 and there were roughly 100 incidents in 16 of those the intended victims fought back in three of those 16 instances the intended victims were armed but in 13 of those instances the intended victims were not armed yet they were able to overtake and disarm the assailant in all 16 of those occasions. So of those 100 incidents, every time somebody tried to fight back, they were victorious. Mm-hmm. Something positive and people, happens. Yeah. And and people um, need to understand that if they can make that decisive move, they have the advantage because the attacker is not expecting it. Right. And the attacker many, has, has... Go, go ahead.
0: ahead. Well, I was going to say, well, how many times do we see... Um, Most of these attackers almost always are suicidal and they intend on taking their own life or being killed by a police officer at the end of the uh, attack. And as soon as they're confronted with force, they're either giving up or killing themselves or encouraging the police officers to kill them. And police training has changed after Columbine where you don't set up a perimeter. While setting up a perimeter, people are inside dying. The police are now yeah. trained to rush the scene as quickly as possible to start. You know, uh, I mean, they're equipped. They've got firearms. They've got vests, stuff like that. They want to draw the attackers' attention towards them and and not the uh, not the uh, initial targets. And most of the time, when confronted with force, they give up. Yeah,
3: and and I also look at the post nine uh, post nine eleven uh, world. Right, you know, as soon as the airlines started flying again. Uh there were people who got up and made commotions. There were two guys who tried to light off bombs, one in his shoe, one in his underwear and they were all taken down and not by sky marshals. They were taken down by the passengers in the plane, so those people made a decision very quickly that it was not their day to to die um but But these attackers have played this situation over and over and over again in their mind. And they've created a little movie that runs. And in the movie, when they open the door, all they see on the other side of the door are cowering victims. So if somebody attacks, if it's a school and a student throws their backpack and hits them in the face with 15 pounds of books, um, or if it's somebody in a, uh, a, a workplace setting who just throws a muffin in the face that they're eating at their desk, the natural reaction is to blink, or duck, or flinch, and there's the opportunity to follow up that that first thrown item uh, with an attack. Which we also, you know, talk to the employees in in businesses about looking around for common objects in the workplace that could be used as a weapon. Um, the one object that is in any public building. Um, is a fire extinguisher, and those make wonderful uh, weapons. Escort them in the face and then smack them with the can. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these people are totally unprepared for somebody to fight back. That was never in the little movie they ran in their head. mm -hmm. Uh, Now, one of the things that has changed after the San Bernardino killings is it is the first time where, you know, normally as we look at who's going to commit an attack in the workplace, it is either a disgruntled employee um the most common issue to occur is it's some sort of relationship problem outside of the workplace that spills over into the workplace um or you have an ideological extremist and i'm not picking on any particular religion here because you can look at this um Anders Breivik over in Norway that killed you know 70 uh, uh teenagers uh he was an ideological extremist um you know it, anybody like that. This is the first time we had an issue of workplace violence that included an ideological extremist. Usually they don't commit an act in the workplace because they're looking for um, large body counts and symbolic targets. Um, a school, uh, Mall of America here in, in Minneapolis is probably the most likely target in, in this state. Airports, uh, very crowded places, uh, the World Trade Center is very symbolic uh, uh, to to hurt the world economy. Um, so this is the first time we've ever had an ideological extremist in the average workplace. So that's kind of changing how those of us in our profession look at this. And we're now starting to look at, you know, what are the symptoms that you may have um uh, an ideological extremist working in your, uh, you know, working right next to you, working in the same building as you do. So that's ha- how we are changing as well. And there's, I, I don't have anything conclusive right now, but there is some very interesting psychological work being done, uh, to look at that and, and give us an idea of what these people do and say that you may notice in the workplace as a pre-incident indicator.
0: So uh, I want to talk about two two things here. One, something that's kind of pertains to my work environment. And then one, something that the average citizen can do or the average Joe, let's say, uh, out in public or at work, if these plans don't exist, maybe some strategies and suggestions on how we can keep ourselves as regular citizens safe. But first I'd like to talk about um, schools and lockdowns, what is your opinion on lockdowns where the school receives a threat and they, 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 uh, activate their lockdown plan, which generally is lock all of the exits. If they're not all already exits, turn off all the lights and have the, uh, students barricade themselves in place in their, uh, classroom behind, a a locked classroom door. What's your
3: opinion on Well, those? it's, it's a good start. Um, That happened with my oldest daughter when she was a a sophomore in high school. She walked in one day, and she thought it was a little odd that the principal was standing out in front of the school with a police officer. Um, But they said hello to her as she walked in. But as soon as she got in, she was hustled into the school's computer lab where they went on lockdown uh, because a threat had been received. And they felt Um, safer inside rather than telling her to turn around and go home? Well, we were a bit confused by that because she was steps away from getting back in her mother's car. You know, if they'd have waved her off, she could have got back in the car and got out of there.
0: Yeah, not really. Okay. Uh,
3: which is, you know, when we talk about lockdown or shelter in place, I'm a big fan of, uh, pardon my, pardon my language, but getting the hell out of there if that's possible. Yeah. Um, uh, rather I, uh, than staying around and waiting to get shot. Now, in a school situation where you've already got students there, and the school is responsible for each and every one of them, it's very difficult for them to just open the doors and s- open the doors and say run.
0: Yeah, they're concerned. So, that, uh, if you have uh, more than one active shooter covering a couple of exits, they pull the fire alarm yeah. and then they just shoot them as they come out of the building. <laughs> One of the, I mean, I would rather have my child run for their life. I would rather try and let, run for my life. But the philosophy around locking in place is that the shooter is on a clock and he, they think that the shooter will go from room to room until he finds one that's open. He's not going to take the time to, oh, this door is locked. Okay, now I've got to try and bust in here while... uh and, and shoot whosoever's in this room. They think, okay, locked door. He's going to go to the next one. Locked door. He's going to go to the next one. I mean, if I'm three classrooms down and I hear him kicking in a door and then gunfire and then screams, and I hear him kicking in another door and then gunfire and screams, I'm, you know, I'd like to think that we yeah. would just, uh, get out of Dodge, but okay. So, uh, well,
3: the first thing that we talk to schools about is, and we realize they have budgetary constriction, so they can't do everything at once. But, they need to have on their capital improvements list to be putting solid core doors with, um, high security deadbolt locks. Mm -hmm. We prefer ones that extend longer than one inch into the door frame.
0: Yeah. Um, Just like we had to put in fire doors and we had to put in fire alarms. This is the next thing that we have to upgrade our buildings to.
3: Okay. Yes. All right, and it needs to be needs to be lockable from the inside by just the turning of a thumb latch. Uh, in Sandy Hook, the doors were lockable, but they were only lockable from outside the room with a key. Ooh. And several teachers lost their lives fumbling with their keys in the hallway when uh, Adam Lanza uh, came down the the uh, hallway. So, uh, a, a good quality solid core door, a good quality, um, deadbolt lock. We looked at one school where not only do they have a deadbolt, but they also have bolts at the top and the bottom of the door that, uh, go into the door frame at the top and into the, uh, concrete floor at the bottom. Interesting. So that, that school was doing a very good job. They were doing a remodel project and they were remodeling it with, with safety in mind. So now what about
0: civilians either, uh, in their workplace or out in public in the mall? Are there things that, uh, you can offer them that they could put in place in their everyday lives to be more aware or develop a plan for escape, especially those of us, uh, who cannot carry?
3: Correct. Well, if they are, if they are in their workplace, they probably know, uh, where the exits are, where the stairwells are. And they need to have a plan A, B, and C. So don't just think of, well, the stairway is uh, 20 feet uh, to my left. I'll just go out that door. Well, what if that's where the gunfire is? So you need to know where your three closest exits are uh, in order to uh, be able to get out. And then get out and keep going uh, until you can get someplace where you can shelter in place, some other business, someplace where you can go in uh, and they will, you know, lock it down until the uh, first responders get there. If you're out in public, uh, first thing I do when I go into a movie theater is look around to see where the exits are and I sit near one of them. Um, I do that for two reasons. One, if something happens, I want to be near the exit to get out but also going back to the shooting at the Batman premiere in Aurora, Colorado, um, that guy went out an exit and propped the door open while he got all his, uh, uh, weaponry from his vehicle, which was parked, um, uh, behind the movie theater. Well, if I see somebody go out that door, I'm damn sure getting up to make sure they don't come back in it. Mm-hmm. And had somebody done that, Uh, then he would have been locked out of that theater. Now he may well have done something else, but, uh, there, there could have been less loss of life, less, less injury. And that comes down to being aware of what's going on around you. And the first thing I have to tell people is put the smartphone away. That is the biggest distraction to your own safety of anything else that's going on. Nobody cares, um, what restaurant you're eating lunch in? Uh, nobody really cares to see a picture of the food you ordered. Uh, you know, just put it down, put it away. When you're, I see people walking down stairways, um, tweeting or texting someone, and uh, that uh, I find that very disconcerting because they're going to fall, and you know maybe they're going to crack their head open, or maybe they're going to take somebody else out as they fall down as well. But you can't be aware of what's going on around you. Uh, if you are distracted by your electronic device, so put it away and take a close look at what's going on around you. Uh, if you are in a hotel, one of the first things I do again, as I'm getting into my room and as I'm going to my room is I look for where the exits are and I look for what common objects there may be in the hallway where the fire extinguishers are that I might be able to use. And if I'm in the room, I take a look around at what is in that room, uh, that I may be able to use as well. Uh, is there anything heavy that I can smack somebody with? How many things are there there that I can throw that is going to cause the, an attacker to, uh, duck? Um, there are a number of, uh, portable travel alarms that you can carry with you that will attach to a a hotel door and sound off if somebody starts uh, uh, playing with it. The sound of that alone may be enough to deter probably not an active shooter but if it's somebody who's uh, uh, there to try to sexually assault somebody or rob somebody the alarm would probably scare them away. Now in a shopping mall what a lot of people don't realize is that if you hear gunfire Instead of running through the mall trying to find an exit, just duck in the nearest shop, run to their back room, and look for their exit. All, all of the malls are huge labyrinths of tunnels and hallways, all of them eventually leading to an exit. So if you hear gunfire, instead of trying to find the mall's public exit, run into the shoe store or whatever small shop may be there run into their back room, run out their door into the utility corridor and look for the exit signs and run in that direction.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, again, heading I'm definitely heading in the direction of where the employees come out of all those nooks and crannies yeah. off to the side where the general public doesn't normally go. So people are going to look for the main exit and they're going to congregate and stampede. I'm headed for the employees lounge or the employees washroom area or the kitchen or whatever. And yeah. as you said, finding that back door finding that service
3: entrance and then get out and get as far away as you can until the first responders have the uh, uh, have the perimeter set up and have entered the building and and uh, uh, are in the process of neutralizing uh, the attackers but it 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 it's uncomfortable for people because they need to think about this and this isn't right. something that yeah. they feel comfortable thinking about. But as you
0: said, as you said, children didn't start having nightmares about fires. And unfortunately, this is a reality that we live in now these days. But if I, so if I can, if I can recap when it comes to us in our everyday lives, keep your head about yourself, know, know, know your surroundings, know your environment, stay off of the phone, don't walk with your head down and and have plans A, B and C. Would you say that that's fair?
3: That's fair. That's, that's a good uh, summation.
0: Awesome. Gentlemen, do you have anything, uh. For AJ, before we uh, have to, unfortunately, cut them loose and send them back to uh, the hooligans over at the Gun Nation.
2: I just want to say thanks for coming on and talking to us about this.
3: It was uh, really informative. Yeah, definitely. You did a great job. Awesome. Tell us again where we can find the book, AJ. uh, You can find the book online, uh, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. And again, it's Workplace Safety, Establishing uh, an Effective Violence Prevention Program by Randall W. Ferris and Dan Murphy. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, on behalf of uh, my co-host, I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight and reminding those of us who know and perhaps telling some of us who don't know about these things uh, what we need to be aware of to kind of hopefully stay ahead of what could be a, an active shooter situation.
3: And I, I hope it never happens, but if it does, I, I want people to be prepared. As do we, and then that was
0: part of the reason why we got you on here tonight, because uh We're certainly not experts in this area, and uh, you've, in some respects, written the book on it and uh, have experience working with companies and schools, so we certainly appreciate you taking the time to try and keep us all a little bit safer.
3: Excellent. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. Once again, we would like to thank the Pod Father for allowing one of his minions to come slum it in Canada. Thank you so much, Doc Wesson. Without you, um, well, there wouldn't be podcasting, so... Oh, and AJ, thanks, thanks to AJ too. Yeah, I guess we should thank him again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. mostly Doc. Mostly, it's mostly Doc, yeah. Not Rant at all. No. And maybe the Blade and the cute chick they've got now, whose name I can't remember. So, Well, that's not yeah. awkward at all. No, let's carry on. All right. All right, listener feedback. Us? Awkward? That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the first one from Dave. Dave says, hey guys, still loving the show. Give it time, Dave. Didn't get a chance to get in on the course for St. Paul, Alberta, but if you guys have any extra days while in Alberta, you can drive a few hours south and help clean up gophers in southern Alberta. Nice to see the show format for 2016 now includes adult supervision. Great job keeping them in line, Kelly. Kelly, who's Kelly? Never mind. You missed. Nope, no questions. No questions. Nope, no questions. Thanks, Dave. Um, We will actually be arriving in town on Wednesday, both of us this time. Because Trevor knows how to book flights with help. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: didn't actually get my new itinerary yet. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. But well, that. your seats were booked off. Whenever I uh, booked mine right next to yours, they were they weren't there anymore. So I know you took them.
0: Did so. you give them my? Um, see, when I when I asked to have you next to me, I gave them your itinerary number, and they were like, "He hasn't uh, pre-booked any of his seats, so I can't move them."
2: Yeah. No, I did I went and booked and uh I didn't I didn't call, I just did it on the website because um, Oh, I got you. You did okay, you be- went Because internet yeah, is because how internet. I did it. Because twenty sixteen. Uh, because twenty sixteen. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the flights are all set. We're we're definitely coming out now. All right, cool. Yeah, well, so we'll be and uh
0: I mean Adriel's gonna take us to issue gophers, right Adriel? Yeah. Okay. So, we'll, um, have to so. see.
1: we'll have to see what kind of field these guys have. Maybe theirs is bigger. Maybe they've got more gophers. So Dave,
2: get a hold of Adriel, and uh, you guys coordinate this. Somebody's got to bring me a twenty-two. that's all I ask. Trevor, are we? We're, we're bringing guns. I'm. Ma- you know what? I'm mailing my gun. That's I'm that's what I'm an
0: thinking. A- Mailer guns. An ATT, and then I'm just going to mail it to Adriel. You know why?
2: Because fifty dollars a leg. Air Canada. Yes. That's, that's why. why. So it'd be two hundred bucks to bring our guns there and back, whereas yep. mailing them is like sixty bucks maybe there and back. Yes, sir. So if we're going to do that, I might as well toss my tent or my uh, seven ninety-five in there too. I can have my own rifle. Shooting gophers.
0: Maybe I'll do yeah. the same. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll mail a rifle case with a pistol in it,
2: and and I'll then you can have your seventeen HMR.
0: To, still be cheaper to mail my rifle back and forth to Adriel than it would be to fly with a pistol. You're right. And it's actually a hundred bucks for air cannon, not fifty. That's
2: it's it's a hundred bucks a leg. Uh huh. Oh, I thought it was fifty bucks a leg. They upped it. Last time I checked, it was fifty bucks a leg.
0: Oh well, when I went to Utah. It was a hundred. Wow. It says, and there may be, but. So I said, why are you charging me? It says you may. Why doesn't it say, we will, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, why don't you just may not?
0: They're a may charge, not a shell charge, but they charge. (laughs) All right, you want to get the next one from Ryan, please, Matthew? Okay,
2: from Ryan. Hey, guys, been listening for way longer than I want to admit. You guys have given me hundreds of hours of listening while reloading and driving. I always enjoy the action shooting you guys cover, but always cringe when you start talking about precision rifle shooting. On last week's show, you were covering different shooting sports in Canada. When it came, shooting sports in what, what? do you mean last week's show? You guys said there wasn't a show last. There
0: week. wasn't. There wasn't a show last week. He's talking about a preview. You just need to move
2: on. This now. is. I just need to just carry on. Just read Focus it. On the don't end. think about it. Keep going. Keep All right. W- when it comes to the F class and precision rifle uh, shooting, you guys were lacking some knowledge. It sounds like Trevor was interested in F class or PR precision rifle, so I thought I would write in and try to expand your knowledge. First off, Trevor, I think you will enjoy precision rifle way more than F-Class. I primarily shoot precision rifle with my partner here in Ontario with the Ontario Rifle Association. This course of fire is shot from 200 to 800 yards or meters, and I will explain each course of fire at each range. This is shot with a partner. At 200 meters, you have an 8 second exposure that can appear to the left, right, or center of your bay. This is part of the, uh, part of the course of fire is the same for 200, 300, and 500. When the target appears, you have to shoot two head-sized targets that are placed to the right and left, and one is placed higher than the other. You have five exposures. 300 yards. This is called the agony snap. This course of fire runs for 10 minutes. During this time, you have 10 exposures for three seconds each. The intervals of the exposure can be from 10 seconds up to a minute 45. This is also shot in a head-sized target. Wow, that would be 10 minutes and you have only 10 seconds. Oh, man. Yeah, you'd just be sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. There it is. There it's gone. Crap. <laughs> uh 400 meters. Movers. You have 10 exposures, 5 to the right, 5 to the left, in a random order, all traveling from the center of your bay out. They are traveling at patrol pace of about 3 miles an hour. This is shot on a figure 11. At 500, the snapshoot. You have 10 exposures, 5 on a figure 11, and 5 on a head shoulder target. These are 3-second exposures appearing from the... L- uh, left, right, or center of your bay. At 200 to 500 meters, you do not know your score until you have completed each course of fire. You do have uh, sighted for three to 500, though. This is where shooting with a good partner helps. They can call your shots by following trace or watching for splash. At six to 800 meters, you are shooting at a figure 11. You and your partner have 25 minutes to shoot two sighters and 10 shots for each score e- uh, for each score. Uh, these course of fires are marked with each shot. I call this tactical F
1: class. So that's interesting. That does actually sound like a bit of fun. Um, It sounds like you would need a a range that would support it, though, something that's got butt systems that you can do the exposures and all that kind of thing, right?
2: Yeah, well, he he says
1: he shoots it with
2: uh, ORA, Ontario Rifle Association, which routinely shoots on the military bases, and they would have that uh, sort of range set up, I would think. You know what's funny? or
0: ironic, uh, Bolivar did a podcast called Service Conditions Radio for I don't know how many years, and this guy just did a better job in one email explaining to me finally what that part of the game was than he did in two years of
2: talking about it. <laughs> uh, so that's funny.
0: Either I'm a slow learner and I finally got it, or this guy is just more eloquent. Succinct.
2: Who am I to judge? Who are you? Who? No, just who are you? Um, F class. So, this is split into two separate classes. You have F class TR and F class open. In TR, you can only shoot 308 or 223 and it must be shot off a bipod. For open, you can shoot any caliber, shot off a bipod or rest. Both can be shot with backbags. In F open, most people are shooting 7 mil, 30 mil, and 6.5. Popular options are the 284 win, 300 Winchester short mag, 260, et cetera. For weight improved. It, okay. Artificial intelligence as well would have worked. No, no, no
0: 260 actually improved. Anyway, AI. I'm AI. going with Ackley improved. All right. Well, sure. Um, the 284 is something. Have you looked into this? No. I started watching a YouTube channel uh, that had um, My Journey to F-Class, I think is the video series that it's called. So right from building the rifle to getting it chambered to going out and setting it in in the whole nine yards and he built it in 284 winchester and i had never even heard of this thing before it's
1: an interesting little round you're definitely hand loading for it but um hmm.
2: cool mm-hmm.
1: uh isn't for- there uh isn't there a 6.5 284 that's like based on the same case but just neck down to 6.5 that one's really popular for like a a really flat shooting cartridge as well yeah i'm sure i don't know the relationship between those two. As much as I
0: w- would like to make something up, I'm just gonna actually. I don't know. Ah, it's way less fun. You can't get
2: called whenever you say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Weight restriction. <laughs> yeah. Weight restrictions in TR. You have to be under 18 pounds, and for F Open is under 22 pounds. You cannot shoot with a break uh, on either. So, Trevor, if you if your MDT does not have a break, you can use it for F class. Sweet. You can use a break in. Precision Precision, rifle, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You shoot either two-siders in 10 for score or two-siders in 15 for score. This is shot from 300, 900, or 100 yards. I've been shooting precision rifle for the past three seasons and a couple of F-class matches mixed in. I am now starting to train for the precision rifle series. Look this up on YouTube and you'll be hooked. This is like shooting IDPA with a bolt action. Uh Uh Uh-oh cover <laughs> okay <laughs> i will be going to two matches in march and april and can let you know how they go if you're interested if you want to share this in the show you're more oh too late we did um that comes to us from ryan and p.s i guess i should give you a couple of thumbs up to add to the count i guess and thank you ryan g- we're guess. gonna give ryan a
0: couple of thumbs up i guess for the wonderful email
2: yeah i guess yeah.
0: thanks i'm still not sure um now You know, he thought that I might enjoy precision more than F-class, but then he comes out with this um, precision rifle series IDPA with a bolt action. Like, if you're running around from position to position and then having to drop and acquire your target and make hits and then move to the next location. That'd be kind of cool. How exciting would that be, yeah?
2: Be a bit more exciting with an AR maybe, but whatever. My AR is a bolt action. It's just just a semi-auto bolt action.
1: That's it. What's that, Sorry. Throw some... uh, Throw some pistol
0: shooting in between, too. Yeah. There you go. Transition, yeah. Yeah. Sling your 18-pound target rifle, draw your pistol. (laughs)
2: Long-range three-gun, we'll call it. Oh, I like that.
0: Nice. (laughs) All
1: right. Adriel, you want to get the next one from the other Ryan? Yeah, this is from another Ryan. Hi, guys. Thank you for the time and effort you put into the show. Could you please let me know what I should bring to the handgun course in Alberta? A handgun? handgun. Yeah. A handgun. Yeah, bring a handgun. Uh, By the way, I recently obtained a stripped lower. Shortly after, I received a new license with standard and non-standard conditions attached to it. No, I guess instead of an ATT for the new AR, I was or, yeah, I guess instead of a, uh, an ATT for the new AR, I was surprised to receive a new license because it expires in August. Not sure if it matters, but it has been a while since I bought a restricted firearm and I live in Saskatchewan.
2: What yeah, that rem- that reminds me, I did do something else in guns um, the, I I can just continue on my saga with uh, the story that I started with two weeks ago on the last show that we did. Uh huh. <laughs> um, remember I I wrote, or uh, I got the right. handgun from yeah. Trevor. Yeah. And I emailed the CFO and said I need an ATT, and they said no, you're good to go. And I wrote back and said, don't I need a letter? Like, don't I need the conditions, the sheet that says. That I have those what conditions, conditions are, yeah, yeah. And they said, "No, you don't need that." Well, no, that's not true. She didn't say, "No, I don't need it." She said, "If you're more comfortable having that, you can request it." But Welcome to New Brunswick. I have the the previous email, which clearly states I am good to go. I do not need a paper att. It's been attached to my license. Um, the way electronically, I don't have a new license. Yeah, but this but is the spirit of C forty two. Yes, this is and the that's way the way it should to... be. I, I just yeah. want to make sure I'm not breaking any laws.
0: Yeah, well, you got confirmation in, yep. in, in an email, which is yep. great. Um, but then you got the other provinces that, again, try and twist and manipulate and, yep. and are very insistent that your, your license says standard conditions apply, see attached or whatever, and mm-hmm. then you got to show this license that says the conditions are the
2: ATT is attached to the license. Yeah, the, the okay. non-standard condition is the ATT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mine now has standard and non-standard conditions attached yeah. to it, just like this Ryan guy here yeah. from Saskatchewan.
1: That, that's the story we got in Alberta too. Same this thing. Is, they tell you, don't worry about it,
0: just your yeah. license is good. Yeah. Ryan, uh, and I'm, I'm, before we get to Ryan, I'm sticking with my original plan right from day one when C42 came out. I am keeping my ATT until it expires, and if they send me another one, great. If they don't send me another one, great. Yeah, my uh, ATT expired at the end of the year, so. Right, my ATT is expired, yeah. 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 So, uh, I've been carrying it this long. I'll leave it in the bag because as I said in my television interview on Tuesday, law enforcement, unfortunately, are not informed about these changes. And so some officer who thinks I should have an ATT, I'll show them and I'll do my best to explain that ATTs are gone. This is all I license. got. This is last this year's. Yeah. yeah. So, so two, I've got two pieces of advice for Ryan. I'm going to go backwards, starting with the AR. When you build the AR, keep it registered as a lower. Yeah, I don't know the legalities around putting a barrel, when you put an upper on calling them and how all that works. Uh, I know some people are selling off their uppers and calling the CFOs and changing the status of their 15 registration to an upper only or a lower only. And I think the rationale behind that is um, should ARs get banned, they're just going to hand in an empty receiver. Well,
2: because. you'll lose less money that way yeah. because – Technically, the upper isn't a registered part, but the problem is if the police come to confiscate it or if you turn it in and the registration doesn't say lower only, they're going to expect the rest of it. Yeah, that's right. And if if you don't have it, you're going to get in trouble. So if you register it as a lower only, then you're good. But the problem with that is if you're found with it with an upper attached, you may have some explaining to do. You well, know, isn't there a 30-day uh There is, that? but, yeah. but yeah. that's a horse race, right? Whoever, it, legally, by, by the letter of the law, you have 30 days to inform them that you have changed the status of the firearm. So you put an upper on it at the range, you shoot at the range, take the upper off, take it home. Technically, you have not broken any laws. However, if you're caught doing that, while you may not have technically broken any laws, you are going to be hassled, in my opinion. Yeah. What if you have two uppers?
0: Exactly. Well, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> this gets really hard to enforce after exactly. a while. Exactly. So
0: I've got a 10.5 inch upper for CQB and I've got an 18.5 inch upper for, uh, three gun. Yeah. So, uh, okay. This Friday, I'm going to be putting my 18.5 inch upper on for a match. Two weeks from now, I'm going to be shooting a CQB match with my ten and a half inch upper. So can you give me two registration cards with the same serial number with two different uppers? They That's don't. not going to happen.
2: I, I did call this. I, I If uh, this was years – well, yeah, it would have been years ago now. I actually called the CFOs – not the CFO. No, I called the registry on this, and I asked. I said, look, I have – mine was a little bit different. I had a twenty-two. I was yeah. talking about calibers, but I think it would apply to uppers as well. I said, I have two – calibers that I can shoot out of this gun but you're only listing two to three or or five five six I said when I want to shoot it with 22 do I need to call you and I mean I was just being a pain in the butt at this point do I need to call you and tell you that I'm shooting 22 out of it I said what if I just want to shoot 22 at the range and I put the 22 kit in and I take it to the range and I don't have my five five six um, bolt with me they said here's what you got to do you got to transport it in the caliber for which it's registered at the range do whatever you need to do but make sure you convert it back to the caliber it's registered for when you take it home so Ugh. if you have two uppers the same logic applies if it's registered for the 18 inch upper you put that on to transport it to the range at the range you put the 10 inch on it you shoot it but make sure you put your 18 back on before you come home in case you get stopped did you feel like that was kind of a made-up answer on the spot it, i did yes <laughs> Yes, I did. But that's what they told me because they didn't want to give me another registration saying that it was a multi-calibre platform. Cool. Um, What to bring to the handgun course?
0: Bring uh, clothing for all uh, weather. Bring in case it rains. We're shooting anyway, so have some rain gear with you. Yeah, it's Uh, not
2: like we have a rain date for this. We're coming for this weekend, and that's it.
0: (laughs) have, Have comfortable shoes. If you don't have waterproof shoes like a Bear Keens, have some extra shoes, extra socks, lots of food, lots of water. Medication, insulin, um medical tape for your hands and blisters. A hat, you know, wear your clothing in layers so if it gets too hot you can take it off. Doctor Pepper gets for on. me. Um what else? I could Food. use a sandwich. What about Food? what about like a holster and a load bearing belt? Right. You're right you're know, right, yeah. And then things? okay, that's great. Yeah, your equipment. Minimum three magazines, minimum two hundred and fifty rounds. Um,
2: a holster that covers the trigger guard of your gun?
0: Mm-hmm. Not uh, some Uncle Mike's Kydex piece of crap. Get a, get yourself an actual holster. No, I, sorry, I said Kydex. I didn't mean Kydex. You meant,
2: you meant nylon.
0: Nylon. Don't show up with a nylon holster. Um, a, a, a duty holster of some kind. Could be a race holster. If it does
2: not have to have retention. No. just the, But make sure that the gun won't fall out of it during normal walking around. Mm-hmm. Maybe like ear protection, eye protection. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yep. That stuff. Bug spray. We're going to need bug spray, sunscreen, lotion. You know, mm.
0: just, just pretend you're camping, but yeah. Don't. Beer. Yeah.
2: Br- bring everything you possibly think you could need. And uh, I-, I would much rather you show up with too much stuff than not enough.
0: Yep. So yep. be a Boy Scout. Be, a, be prepared.
2: All right. I've got uh, this
0: next one from Josh. Josh says Hi, guys. I just finished listening to the latest episode, which at the beginning you were speaking about coach guns. I would recommend you checking out... When were we talking about coach guns? I don't remember this. A couple of shows back. Matthew, would Uh, you please stop interrupting? Sorry, sorry. Uh, I recommend you checking out the Dominion Arms Outlaw from Canada Ammo. Here's a link, blah, 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 blah. I know they're Chinese-made. However, I have had one for six years now without any issues. They're a blast to shoot and always get attention at the range. Keep up the good work with the show. Two thumbs up, Josh.
2: I've always wanted a nice
0: coach gun in 20-gauge. Me too in 20 gauge, because that's yeah. what my cousin's was in. And I believe, uh, Adriel said it was a bajito, bojito, mojito, mojito. Bo- bojito,
2: boito, probably. Boito? Yeah, probably not mojito. Not mojito? Probably boito. Not. Were they made again? I don't know. So. Oh, this is, a, this is a little 12 inch. See, I was thinking more like a, a 16 inch.
0: Yeah, this one's a little bit cool. much. I've seen these with cracked stocks. I've seen these with the beads falling out of them. Mm. Um. But he's had good luck with
2: his, so that's cool.
0: Well, it's like my M305. My M305 is the very best. When I was going to get an M305 originally, I canceled the order because I heard some barrels were falling off of them and shooting down range.
2: Yeah, that's very rarely something that you want to
0: happen. Not a desirable feature. So Mm. anyhow, if you would like to email us and recommend any Chinese uh, guns that we may or may not want to buy, and if you want to mention shows that Matthew apparently has lost all memory of, uh you can do so by emailing us at slamfireradio at com. Adriel, bust out, yes. iTunes, bust out some iTunes reviews, would you?
1: Okay, here they come. The first is from Shakes2582. My interest has primarily been bolt action, hunting caliber rifles, and rimfire. You fellows are doing a great job of promoting all kinds of shooting and have helped to broaden my interests. I enjoy listening and learning about the multiple different shooting sports you're all involved in. Glad to see a host from out here in the west. I'm in northern BC. Edmonton's about as close to any real city as uh, you can get. Uh, Trevor's What You Did in Guns this week has to be the envy of every shooter out there. So much shooting. Uh, guests are great. Emails are great. I even enjoy the small amount of politics that make it onto the show. Great job. Keep it coming. Five gold stars, two big Canadian thumbs, or a couple of flukes up—whatever the heck they're handing out for praise this week. <laughs> <laughs> flukes. What, what? What? Matthew, you remember when we got some flukes, don't you? It, sure.
0: This okay. wasn't last week, was it? <laughs> yeah. You're completely lost on the flukes. Very Certainly good. am. <laughs> so add the flukes. We're keeping track of flukes now. Spencer the whale gave us two flukes up, and I didn't know what a fluke was. You were there. You remember?
2: I don't. I, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Um, two big canadian thumbs a couple of flukes and how many gold stars did we get five uh, gold stars
2: five baby gold stars. so we're keeping track of gold stars oh, flukes and I, thumbs. I think the gold stars are in reference to the five stars on no, itunes no i no, think there was a to rep- gold no, stars to stick are, to your forehead oh that's all right yeah, cool yeah, yeah. so we're at five stars so that, that's our own, that those are our first five gold stars so we're at 5 I thought
0: we had other gold stars, yeah, and that's why he else, gave, it. Gave, us gave it. Somebody else gave us stars. This no, we haven't been stars. keeping
2: track of those. Darren, we'll make it seven then. Just All right, seven <laughs> it is. All right.
1: Keep going, Adriel. Do them all, buddy. <laughs> uh, getting classy. This week's show, the guys really stepped it up a notch and got really classy, bringing on a new host, Kelly. What? Great show Nothing. with Frosty, for Latte, and Warning Shot. Keep it classy, guys. LOL. For Latte right, is confused. spelled F-U-R hyphen. L
0: a t t e, just to saying, like the drink latte.
2: For lotet, that's for what lo- I see.
1: That's yeah. For lotet,
2: all right. For lotet, that's as low. good as Ariel.
1: <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, we've got the last one here from L L C Walsh, I think. These guys remind me of my buds back home. Oh, the title ex- is good though. Remember, Purdy damn good. Purdy. Purdy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> These are all five stars, by the way. That's exactly what we need to see. Uh, These guys remind me of my buds back home. Matthew takes every opportunity to lip Trevor and everyone else and was probably voted most likely to get me into a fight for no reason at the local pub. (laughs) (laughs) That's never happened today. Lately. (laughs) Trevor loves the sound of his own voice, archery, and chasing squirrels all over God's green earth. (laughs) Adriel is doing an adequate job of throwing the boys under the bus, and with some time, we'll become just as jaded as the others. I look forward to
2: it. I'm, I'm glad he finished that. So I was just read, Angel's doing an adequate job. Wow, that's pretty mean, actually. Why the heck would you say that? But an adequate job of throwing us under the bus. Yeah, so basically what he's saying is, you need to be meaner to us. Yeah, Well, I'll, I'll work myself up to it. And I'm told I do have a nice voice, thank you. Sure
0: you do. Who told yeah. you that? Your mom? Somebody put it on... Think- on- Somebody commented on our Facebook page in relation to the TV interview. Oh, that voice, they said. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I think, I'm I think really the not. phrase was, uh, he's, he's got a face for uh, radio. Face I for have, radio I, I and a voice face for face. TV. <laughs> yeah, no, I have both both a, fo- a voice and face for, for radio.
2: Here we go. <laughs> and now we have the proof. I've been on both. <laughs> uh,
1: at least he appears to be smart. So why that's why for Adriel. So
2: you're pretty smart, Adriel. Smart. Apparently yeah. you appear to be anyway.
1: I, I'm really good at uh, per- perception, I guess. Uh, why am I listening to this? I should be canning with Owen. Good, going shooting suckers. SKS for life. Cheers, Walsh.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Good job, man. <laughs> That's one of my favorite uh, favorite reviews yet.
0: Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It was all vinegar. No, uh, yeah, there was no <laughs> carrot there. There was no honey. He tells Just, it like it is. Yep, like yep. it. That's the way it should be. And then, of course, he ruined it by signing off with the SKS. So. So.
2: No, no, that's the best part. <laughs> All
0: right. I have a shout-out. You can tell because I wrote in the notes. You guys don't because you didn't. My shout-out goes to uh, Andy, uh, the grip and pull. Uh, thanks to Andy and Mike for the grip and pull. So it was Mike who wanted to know about it. And I said I would get back to him and and, and find it, but he, in fact, he went and found it on his own uh, because I can't be trusted to do things and uh, sent me a a link to it. So for those listeners that were on the show last week week with Matthew and the rest of us, the (laughs) item we were referring to is called the grip and pull. That's the bullet pulling system that doesn't require any special die and you can pull multiple bullets with the same tool. Did you guys
2: drug me last week or something? I don't remember this.
0: you... uh, I don't know. Did you mix the Dr. Pepper? Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, Andy Shan to the rescue again. And uh, Mike and Mike, we will see you in Alberta, buddy.
2: That's going um, to be cool. I can't yeah. wait for Alberta, man. I'm all psyched. Booking Meet those you. those plane tickets just kind of made it all real for me.
0: It did make it exciting, especially knowing that we're going to roll into town on Wednesday. So we got Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to actually be on vacation a little yeah, bit. and
2: shoot some gophers. In the face. With a shotgun.
0: Of course. And, right. <laughs> and 17s. <sighs> I want to take my bow. I want to try and shoot a gopher with a bow. I shot a squirrel. I cut a squirrel in two once and the that'd be cool.
1: A little bigger. Yeah. So mm. all right. So let's wrap You have this. to go, you have to go in the spring to do that. That's when the babies are out and that's when you can shoot one with a bow and get close enough. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. They are like when I did it in Calgary, there was still a lot of snow on the ground and it was just ridiculous. Beautiful. You, shoot one, you shoot one, you walk a hundred yards to the right, you come back. And they're all eating the one you just shot, and you start shooting them. <laughs> they're cannibalistic little buggers. Well. Perfect.
1: Yeah. So that's where you can start doubling them and tripling them. That's
0: awesome. All right, gentlemen, are we ready to wrap this thing up? Sure.
1: All right, then. So,
0: to all of you people at Shot Show, you suck, and we hate you. <laughs> See you next week.